Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday. It's the CHGO Fire podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I'm Pat. He's Alex. But we're not important today. We have a far more important guy who's joining us on the show. One of my favorite people on the Chicago Fire, Mr. Jonathan Bornstein. JB, welcome to the show, man. Wow, thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk Chicago, to talk soccer, and to speak with you guys. So thanks for having me. So you guys are off today. I know that's why you're able to join us, which is very cool of you. We appreciate it. We have to look back a little bit. And I know we don't want to look back a lot, but it wasn't the best weekend. You're starting there. After five straight unbeaten. Hey, it can only go up from here, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So after five straight unbeaten, the Fire lose 4-0 to a very good Philadelphia Union. 4-1, yeah, 4-1. To a very good Philadelphia Union team. Um, JB, take us through this game. You guys, I felt like you guys were in it for a while, at least. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, Philadelphia as a team is a, is a very good team. And we knew going into the game, it wasn't going to be easy. They obviously haven't lost at home this season. And so, you know, our goal was to be that first team to beat them at home. Right. Um, and to continue this kind of momentum that we had going. Uh, I think, you know, the game didn't go as well as we liked. I think uh, it was... a um, you know, we did create some chances there in the first half that, you know, if we finish, maybe it's a different game. And I think, you know, over this run of good unbeaten games that we've had, we've been able to capitalize on our chances and not give up very many goals. And so I think when we didn't finish those early chances and then, you know, allowed them to score uh, in the first half early, you know, it definitely put us in a hole and it it made it a more difficult game. So uh, I think, you know, every game is a learning experience. You know, we were on a pretty good run, and we got to find the way to get back on that, on that, um, you know, the train that we were kind of pushing along there. So I think, you know, it's very important for us to bounce back well this this weekend at home. You know, we have two games at home coming up. So I think in order for us to be able to make the playoffs, you know, it's important to win your home games and then maybe still a few points on the road where we can um, from the games that we have left. So, you know, that's the plan. From our perspective, Johnny, it's easy to kind of immediately compartmentalize and say, okay, these are three really tough games. One of them is on the road, and it happens to be against the first-place team in the Eastern Conference. So it's easy for us to be like, all right, if they were going to drop one, this one's okay yeah. to drop maybe. But for you guys, how, how are you guys mentally as a group working through that and trying to maybe compartmentalize a bit as you reset for NYCFC at home this week? I think, you know, as a, as a group and, and 
to accomplish the goals that we have as a group, you want to win every single game or win or at least tie, especially on the road, you know, be stealing points from, from the team who's the home team. So I think for us, and you know, the most important thing is to, to be getting points. And so I think, especially knowing that the table is so tight, I mean, from fourth place to 10th, 11th, maybe even 12th place, it's literally a separation of, uh, of five to seven points between those entire, you know, the, the group. Yeah, you can see it right there. So, I mean, literally winning a few games in a row can push you ahead of, of other teams. And so I think it's very important to just be getting points, to, getting, to, get, to get wins. I know we, and, um, and then obviously other teams beat up on each other throughout those games as well. So from here on out, for us at least, the mentality we, we, we take is get points no matter what it is. And, and at home, especially, we got to win. You know, you play against New York City FC this next game coming up. They're a perfect um, team to, to, to beat and, and kind of jump up against the table. You know, you probably won't catch them, but, you know, then they go and play against other teams who, who are right there with us, and we hope that they beat them and that we're always beating the teams who are near us. So I think that that's the way we take it. Obviously, within the preparation and everything, um, we haven't really changed much. I think, you know, our coaching staff has done a really good job of preparing us throughout the week in our training and in, in the video we watch and in all of the preparation that we do. Uh, to get ready for each game and i think you know even through the, the bad moments there a few months ago we didn't change much we trusted the process and i think it's it's shown because we were always so close maybe just not finishing a few opportunities or or um you know things not going our way but i'm, I'm really happy that they didn't just change our system or change the, the tactics and, and we've stuck we've stayed true to you know our identity and so i think going forward that's going to help us and I think we're in a good spot to, to, to accomplish our goal, which is make, to make the playoffs. And I know we've talked about this before, but you always say it's, it's important to not get too high with the highs and get too low with the lows. You have to kind of keep that even keel mindset. And then it, it's especially important after, you know, winning a bunch of games and then, and then losing like you did to Philly. Isn't that important just to kind of keep that kind of mindset going? Of course, I, I always say that. I say that quite often to all my yeah. teammates to, you know, even in all aspects of life, like you can never let yourself get, like think you're the best when you've um, accomplished something, uh, you know, of a good importance or, you know, more specifically winning a bunch of games in a row or, or not losing. And then when you do lose, you can't say, oh, now we're the worst ever, right? You, you always have to be learning from the, from the times you do lose and learning also from the times you do win. Um, and sometimes the hardest thing after you win is to stay on top without getting knocked down. So I think this idea of not ever getting up too high and not getting down too low, kind of keeping yourself, like you said, on, a, on an even kilter is, is the most important. And I think them, in terms of like building a team culture, that's also you know, a way that you can um, maintain and keep going at, at a certain rate. Uh, for a longer period of time is if you have that mentality. And so I think it's going to be even more important now going, you know, we have, I think, nine games left. It's going to be super important going through all of those to try and maintain that that balance. Um, and, you know, hopefully you're where you want to be at the end of that uh, to go into a, a playoff run and, a, you know, a, a real competition for a title. So I think it's going to be important to keep that mindset going from here on out. Johnny, you've, you know, you talk about those those ups and downs. You've had quite a bit of experience, even in the last couple of years with the fire, seeing those highs, those lows. How would you kind of describe what the state of the team is right now more broadly? You came in in the middle of a 
very difficult, I think it's fair to say, 2019 season. You've seen, you know, multiple manager changes already. You've seen just a lot of players come in and out of the club. As we're, you know, about two-thirds of the way now through Ezra Hendrickson's first season in charge, how do you evaluate where the club and the group is at this point? Yeah, I mean, if I evaluate it based on what we've done, you know, it's kind of been a season of ups and downs, just like we said, right? We started the season off very well. Our defense was very strong. Um, you know, with the addition of, of new players, everyone was kind of trying to get to know each other. Um, you know, through the middle part, we've had some injuries. We've had, um, you know, guys step up, guys kind of get out of the lineup. You know, you even have to talk about COVID these days, right? How COVID has affected the team and guys playing at certain moments. Um, and so I think, you know, we've gone up and down and, and then now we've come up again. And I wouldn't even consider this Philly game like a setback. It was just part of the road that we're, we're um, you know, we're on to, to get to where we want to be. But I would say that the team is in a very good spot in general. I think, you know, the, the energy within the group, the group dynamic is, uh, has grown immensely from the beginning of the year to, to where we are now. I think you saw a really, really big glimpse of what the team is all about in that Charlotte game where we have to overcome a lot of adversity, you know, not just giving up that goal early, but then to be able to fight back to get the lead and then to go, you know, tight again and then to go up again in the game and to be dealing with the crowd on the road, uh, a Chicago team who over the years has not been able to do well on the road, especially when going down. And so I think that performance showed, you know, the type of fight, the type of grit, the type of camaraderie that the group has. Uh, I think that showed a lot. And I think that is what you should see from this Chicago Fire team going forward. Um, you know, a group that's very, very cohesive, a group that's going to fight till the end and, and definitely show a lot of heart uh, in every single game. So maybe that's something we were lacking before in the last couple of years. And I think we've been able to kind of um, harness that into, a, into a, a team quality this year. And so I hope it can, we can continue to build on that as well. There are 100% games, I've said this before, that I watched games this year that I knew last year or the year before you guys would have lost. Whether it's an early goal given up or something like that, Charlotte's the perfect example, JB. And then you found a way to win that. So there is something brewing here. I wanted to ask you about SeatGeek. You got to play there um, this weekend. Obviously, you guys train out there, so it's, it's not unfamiliar. And you played there in 19 when you were here. But does it change anything for you guys to have to play there, or is it, does it not matter much at all to you? Um, I think, I don't think it changes much. Um, I think other than the fact that a lot of our, you know, a lot of my teammates who um, only train at SeatGeek, you know, haven't had the opportunity to actually play a game in that stadium. Um, it's a great stadium, to be honest. I mean, the, when, when the fans are out there and, and you know, the, the energy of the, the fans, the, the closeness, the personal, you know, kind of atmosphere is, that is created in SeatGeek, it can, it can be a great venue, right? And so... I think, you know, more than anything, that's what my teammates don't have the experience of doing. And so that could maybe be a little bit of a shock at the, at the very beginning of, of what it's going to be like. But I think everyone should be ready to go. I think, you know, it doesn't matter if we play in Soldier Field, if we play out of Soldier Field like we always do against every team at their house. Um, you know, definitely uh, SeatGeek should feel like a home field for us because we are there every single day. Right. We're in that locker room. It won't be a, a change in that or anything. But I think, um, you know, the guys are, are excited to, to kind of play there and see what it was like for those former Chicago teams playing there. And um, I will definitely be talking this week 
to my teammates about those experiences and trying to give them positive positive images, just even going into the game about that stadium. So I think um, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun to play in SeatGeek once again. And, um, you know, we did play against New York City FC last year in SeatGeek, and we did beat them. So yep. I think that'll be a, a, a good way to kind of build on that. Like, we've already beat them here last year. We'll do it again this year. On that note, Johnny, we got to ask. Uh, it's been a, uh, a popular Chicago sports topic recently as the Bears begin their preseason. The, uh, the shall we say, conditions of the surface at Soldier Field. Do you think you guys are going to, you know, is, is you talk about feeling like an old home at SeatGeek. Is there also a nice silver lining there to be able to play on that same surface that you guys are training on every day? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we don't actually train inside the stadium, so it's a little bit different, right? Um, we always get to look at the field, and the, the field actually looks very nice. I think um, it has been. I think they replaced it about five or six months ago, and so, you know, it has been looking very, very good. Um, I know they did have a concert on there recently, so hopefully that didn't affect it too much. But, it, it, yeah, it'll be nice to be able to play out there. And, you know, I was seeing the images of, of Soldier Field as well online, you know, with all the lines, with all the, 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 the painting, the colors, also the sand and everything that happens from, you know, a, a football American football side that kind of tears up the grass a little bit more and it's harder to kind of recover that from you know in a quick period of time so playing at soldier or seat geek will, will be nice because we know what type of pitch we'll get and then going forward obviously you know you know what you're dealing with um because we've dealt with it in the past as well in soldier field and you know i've always said that you know the field doesn't really matter because both teams have to play on it right and so the field doesn't only affect Chicago Fire playing their style of soccer, but it also affects whoever comes in to play against us as well. And so I, I think that's just, you know, you want the best possible or type of pitch you can play on always because it's always nice to play on a carpet and, and perfectly manicured grass. But, you know, we all can't be spoiled all the time. And sometimes we got to deal with adversity. And that's something we'll have to do again this year. All right. We've got some fun questions now for you, Johnny. Uh, okay. We're going to talk about the your experiences in the 2010 World Cup in a little bit. But first, I have to address something. We had Wyatt Amsberg on a few months ago, and he said that uh, not only you were, the, he believed, the best golfer on the team, so congrats about that, but also <laughs> we asked Wyatt, what stadium would you want to play in if you could play in any stadium in the world? And the stadium he came up with oh God. was Gillette because he's a Patriots fan, and he took a lot of heat for that. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What stadium would you want to play in if you could play in any stadium in the world, and why is it not Gillette Stadium? I mean, first of all, I've played in Gillette Stadium. <laughs> you scored a goal there in 2020, as I remember. Exactly, yeah, a nice header. Um, but I believe Wyatt's played there as well, so I don't – or maybe he hasn't. I'm not sure, but he's – He'll definitely make that dream come come true at, at one point <laughs> yeah. in his career. Bars um, on the floor me, for that one. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, I would say, I mean, it's a very iconic stadium. I never got the opportunity, but Wembley would be. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Playing so much history, so many big games that have been played there, World Cups, whether it's Champions League. I mean, not, you know, you can name every type of competition and it's been played there. So I think that would be really cool to be able to get that opportunity. I feel like that's a better answer too. Slightly. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I haven't been to Gillette stadium, but I don't think I need to go to say that. I think Wembley is probably a better venue all around uh, as opposed to Gillette. And speaking of headers really quick, JB, okay. for a shorter player, 
you are extremely good at headers, like weirdly good right. at headers, I, I believe. How, how do you do this? I mean, well, I would say that the secret is timing, right? The timing of when you jump, the timing of reading the ball. And us just, you know, sometimes my teammates joke that you don't use math in life or in soccer especially but i like to say like you're always using math in soccer so like reading the angles reading yeah reading the timing and or the velocity of of the ball and the angle which is coming and so all of those things come into, into play when you're talking about a header right that's coming from a long distance um and it's coming at a certain height or angle and then you being able to jump at the right time to meet that ball at the right um what would you call that the highest point of of uh-huh impact right and so yeah you're able i feel like my secret is being able to read all of those things and then jump at the right time and then maybe piggyback off of the guy who i jumped just a split second before and he actually lifts you up and makes you look like you're jumping taller than you actually are so there you go don't let it don't tell anybody else that that's that's my true secret some world cup talk now alex you think yeah uh, before we get to the world cup talk the last thing i think we wanted to ask you johnny is um you know Pat mentions you're, a, you're an impressive header of the ball for your height. You're also just an impressive athlete for your age, I think, at this point. You know, we saw you play <laughs> winger earlier this year, which was like a new dimension of the game. How long How long do you want to keep doing this? Um, I know it's probably a question you get asked a lot, like, in and around the team. But, you know, how much longer do you see yourself wanting to wanting to be a professional soccer player, aside from, you know, still being able to physically do it? Yeah, no, I think... Um... That the first kind of factor within that is to be able to do it at a high level, right? And so as long as I'm able to do it at a high level and feel like personally I'm contributing and doing everything at the, at the, the rate and kind of just the, the possibilities that I have, um, I would like to play until I'm at least 40. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know very many field players who have played in past 40. Um, there are quite a few, you can name a lot of few, you know, a lot more goalies than field players. But, you know, I see a guy like Preki who played into his, you know, early 40s and even won MVP of the league, uh, I think at 42, 40, uh, I'm not, don't quote me on that number, but he was definitely in his 40s when he, when he won MVP. And so I think, you know, to be in that, that, or be labeled in the same category as those type of players who, who can play over 40 and still be doing it at, at a high level. That's kind of my, my goal. And so uh, um, at the moment, I feel physically very good. I still feel like I'm, uh, I'm playing at that high level to be able to compete day in and day out. And so that's just kind of how I keep myself going. And so, um, yeah, to answer your question in simple terms, at least until I'm 40, which would be another three years. Well, uh, looking real quick, Preki won the MVP at 40, retired at 42. So you there's the bar, JB. Okay. There it is. <laughs> there you go. And he was my coach. He's a great example of what it what it means to take care of yourself, you know, to be taking care of your body, eating well, sleeping well, you know, kind of very focused in, in your craft. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, I've had some good examples for doing that. And um, hopefully I can be that example for a, a lot of younger guys as well. So we missed it. He was the Preki was the manager that uh, achieved this USA team. We were talking. about. Yes. Right? That produced all the coaches. And correct. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, so World Cup year, World Cup's coming up. We're both very excited about it. We hope the, the men's national team does quite well. Um, but we wanted to take it back to one of my favorite World Cups ever was 2010 for me. And, and especially with the, the U.S. advancing onto the group stage in such dramatic fashion. But you were on that team, Johnny. And I know that, that um, 
there's a story around that you guys stayed at some sort of wildlife reserve or something like that. And you guys were actually <laughs> yeah. delayed going to training by a bunch of animals. Is this true? Yeah, this is true. So we actually stayed in Rustenburg, which in Rustenburg, we actually, we had stayed there before as well. Um, I believe in for the Confederations Cup. And so um, literally it's in the middle of a safari type place, right? It's like a, it's like a wildlife refuge where you have to, from the, from the gate at the front of the compound center, whatever you want to call it, um, you have to drive on a, on a path that leads it's probably like a mile or, or, or so to get to the actual hotel where you then pass through another security gate to then get into the, into the, to the hotel. And so with, within the compound or the, the grounds of the hotel, you also see like monkeys and trees. Just outside you see all types of animals walking around, um, a lot of boar, a lot of you know, smaller animals. Um, and so one time as we were leaving to go to training, um, we were kind of, on that road and we had to stop and everyone's like, well, why are we stopping? And all you could see was like a family of these magnificent elephants, like this oh. silver, okay, yeah, these silver elephants who were just as big as the bus. I mean, some of them were like walking alongside the bus and you were looking at the windows just straight at their, their eyes and their trunk. And, and so we couldn't go anywhere because we were just waiting for them to get off the road. And uh, it was pretty cool, you know, all the guys on the bus, like we had our own mini safari while we were, we were going to training. It was pretty, pretty, pretty intense, pretty cool. Um, and then eventually they just kind of did their thing. They got off the road and we were able to, to, to move along. So um, really cool experience. I, I still can't find my camera that I had during that time to oh. show those pictures. I know I'm still looking for it. It's got to be somewhere either at my mom's house or, um, you know, in my old things um, back in California. But uh, eventually I'll find them and. Maybe I can show them to you. The other thing, or maybe of course, someone from U.S. Soccer has those. So if you're listening, maybe they yeah, can Michael Cameraman, if you're watching or listening, <laughs> yeah, if you've got yeah, those yeah. lying around, we would love love to see them. Johnny, obviously, the other thing we got to ask about is a moment that interestingly went like re-viral this year when someone paired Ian Dark's commentary with video from the stands of, of course, Landon Donovan's late goal against oh. Algeria to send you guys through to the knockout stages. What do you remember about that game and everything that came in, you know, the hours afterwards as you guys kind of took in that moment? Yeah, no, I mean, how could I ever forget that moment, right? I think, um, you know, my, my experience is a little bit different than probably anybody else's because I actually started that game and was taken off, uh, I think, in the 80, 81st minute, something like that. Um, for Beasley, he came on for me. And so I, so I played in the game and then, you know, obviously got to watch that goal from the sidelines. But um, I, th I just remember every moment from the moment that uh, Tim, you know, grabs the ball and throws it out uh, to Landon to, you know, the like the, the ups of like, oh yes, we're gonna get it. And then Clint getting the chance right in front of the goal and missing and then the down of like, oh my God. And then Landon coming through and, and finishing it off, especially in the, the, the moment of the game that it was being so late, you know, like we, at that moment you think, oh wow, we, we've done it. We, we, we finished everything and just now let's close it out. And so also when he scores, you know, the entire team runs down to the, to the, to the corner of the field and there's a big dog pile, which is a, a celebration. I remember the team doing quite a few times because they did it during my goal against Costa Rica as well. And so, you know, it, 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 I think it's a great way to show how close that team was, um, you know, 
like Landon could have easily celebrated with a few guys who were on the field, but instead he, he decides to go to the corner where everybody who uh, is part of that team can can celebrate with him. And so I think, uh, you know, great moment up until that point. And then obviously, you know, as players, we're always probably pretty much only thinking about, you know, the moment, right? Okay, we want to win that game. We score, we, we, we win the game. Then, okay, now it's like, okay, how did the other teams do? And so we go back to the locker room, we check it out. We realize that, you know, we've won the group and we're going to be moving on. And so now it's in a whole new celebration of in the locker room, like celebrating, but knowing you have more in front of you to, to prepare for. And then, you know, we started to get to the hotel and we had, you know, family members there waiting for us. And, and even the, the hotel staff kind of did this like show and dance and singing <laughs> and bubuzelas and just everything they were doing for us to kind of uh, commemorate the moment. Uh, those were also really great things to see. And then the last part is to finally go on the phones and see the reactions from everyone around the United States when that goal goes in, right? Everyone in the bars, everyone in restaurants, everyone at their home, every, you know, the videos are just amazing to watch. And so I think that definitely gave us motivation to kind of, to know that we had the backing of all, of all the fans back in the United States who were rooting for us. And so I, I know me personally, I was, just got this whole whole new sense of motivation knowing, oh man, we're, we're representing the United States and all those people who, who sent in their videos. It was just an amazing moment and continues to be amazing and still gives me the chills to watch all those things today. So I don't know how the other guys lived it, but that was definitely how I lived it. Where were you in the dog pile? I was more gonna... toward like the upper upper not all the way on the top but yeah kind of upper okay upper so you didn't get smashed at all <laughs> no 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 not like i did when i scored against costa rica where i was on the bottom and you're just like i'm gonna everyone is suffocating me no no definitely that was not where i was um i was also on the bench so i had to run over and kind of it's kind of beat you know join in with those guys but yeah and and you're not i was not also not the guy who was on top who's making like jumping last and just smashing everybody that was but I was right there in the middle. And the, your goal against Costa Rica, which you've referenced, that, that was a last game of qualifying, 2-2 draw. You score at the very end. And now, because of that, you're a national hero in Honduras. Yeah, that's kind of like goes back to what I was saying about how us as soccer players, we're, you're not really thinking of the impact like a goal will have other than, yeah. oh, I'm doing what I can for my team in that moment, right? And so scoring that goal definitely changed the trajectory of, of three countries, so it, it changed, it put the United States through in first place for the CONCACAF region. Uh, it eliminated Costa Rica. At least they would have to go to play in a, mm -hmm. in a play game against, can't remember who it was, but maybe New Zealand or something. It's always um, New Zealand. Yeah, right? <laughs> always, always New Zealand. Um, and then it actually sent Honduras into the World Cup for the first time in, I think, like close to 30 years. So... Um, one goal did all of that in, in, a, in, a, in a split second. So that was really cool. And, you know, I still get great love from all the Honduran fans and, and still really, really nasty messages from the Costa Rican fans. So um, <laughs> nice to see that. It's, it's, nice, it's nice to see that soccer has such a, uh, an impact over the world and the passion that, you know, some of these countries have for, for soccer. It's, it's always great to see and be a part of. Uh, you mentioned that that goal returned Honduras to the World Cup. Speaking of returning to the World Cup, of course, U.S. Men's National Team back in the tournament this winter. Before we get you out of here, Johnny, we need a uh, we need a prediction of how you think the guys are going to do over in over in Qatar. Well, what a 
What a way to put me on the spot, huh? This is, uh, <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, no, I think um, I think in in general terms, this is probably one of the best teams on paper that we've that we've ever had. You know, guys who are getting experience in some of the best leagues around the world. Guys who are getting experience, um, you know, playing against the best players in the world. And so I think, um, you know, saying that, I, I really have high hopes for this for this team. And I think we're in a group that. We can definitely get out of and put ourselves in a good spot, you know, to go further in this tournament than we ever have. And so that's kind of my, my, my prediction is that this team is going to be the U.S. team that has gone the furthest in the World Cup out of all of the other teams. And so that I'm sticking with that. Love that. So that is a U.S. men's national team to the semifinals of the World Cup prediction by Jonathan Bornstein. I love that. We love to see it. You know, you got to have high hopes for, the, for, <laughs> for your fellow compatriots. And so... Let's do that. Let's make it to the semis, and then if you're there already, why not just win it all, right? So, but yeah, let's let's get them to the semis first. <laughs> awesome, Johnny. Thanks so much for jumping on with us today. We really appreciate it. It's been really fun talking to you, as always. It was fun to talk with you guys as well. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. All right. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you. Yep. Thanks, Johnny. Okay. Hope to see everyone out there at SeatGeek this weekend. Okay. That's it. What a guy. That was great. He's the best. That was great, man. He's like, wow. <laughs> He's like, wow, oh, man, you put me on the spot. And then he's like, oh, yeah, semifinals. It's like, okay, cool. And now if they do it, we've got it. We've got the video right we, here. We do have yeah. that Jonathan Bourne's team potentially predicted the greatest World Cup in the history of the U.S. I love that. Men's national team. Well, before we move on to other things, be it uh, the game we don't want to talk that much about, really terrible U.S. men's national team jerseys for that World Cup potentially, <laughs> we, we do have to pay the bills. Bit of business here, yes. Points Bet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season as am I, with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 Central Time. Sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And it's that time of the show where I have to tell you about Owen, O-W-Y-N, only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of all in artificial ingredients. They are allergen-friendly, including being gluten and dairy-free, which I'm a big fan of. And I heard about Owen first, as many of us did around here from C at CHGO, from Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet himself. Easy for me to say. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer, 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. That's code CHGO20. So join me and Justin Fields and try Owen, only what you need. Pat, we talked about it a bit with Johnny. The fire did not need how that game went in Philadelphia. And I think, you know, probably most of our audience watching and listening at least either watched the game, saw the highlights. So we don't need to get too into it. But I think the, the biggest talking point is probably after a stretch of a couple months where he looked just supremely confident and on top of the world, a bit of a bumpy ride in Chester for Gaga Slanina. Yeah, he had the the second goal where he catches it and then it bumps the crossbar and comes out of his hand. It you know it, it you had to figure 
both from a Gaga standpoint, being only 18 years old, and from a team standpoint in general, they had to have a bad one. And it was like we talked about with Johnny, the, the ups can't be so high and the downs, the lows can't be so low. It wasn't a good game, but you have to look at it from this perspective. It was against the best team in the Eastern Conference. That's the bar. Also, they never yeah. lose at home. Like, they haven't no. lost at home in, like, two years. Yeah. Uh, that's against a fire team, which Johnny alluded to this. Um, you know, the fire have won, I think, two away games this year, which is more away games than they've won in the season in, like, forever. So you've got two trends going very much opposite directions. We, As I mentioned when we were talking to him, yeah. if there was going to be a loss in these three games, the road game at the best team in the conference was probably going to be it. So to your point, I think you kind of have to ignore the manner in which it happened and say, okay, take the lumps, move on. Yeah, it's regroup. easy to say, well, the fire made mistakes, but good teams force you to make mistakes. So, And, and Philly did just that. The, the fact that the, Philly were, the fire were able to get three points against Philly at home earlier this season is, is incredible because that's a very, very good team. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't put too much stock in the loss. It was bound to happen. And, and Philly was able to, you know, make the most out of some mistakes for the fire. They did try to battle back. Chris Mueller had a nice goal at the, for the two one. And then immediately Philly scores again with the three one after the half. And um, that was all she wrote. And then, um, you know, if, you know, we didn't make this the pick of the week, because we don't like betting against the fire, but maybe we should have done. Corey Burke against the fire. What on earth? Ugh. For those unfamiliar, Ugh. Corey Burke has been a, a striker for the Philadelphia Union for several years. He's never been like their starting striker. So this is not a guy who plays a ton of minutes, but I don't have the math in front of me. Corey Burke's goal scoring record against the Chicago Fire is, I believe, better than any MLS player's scoring record against a particular team in league history. It is absolutely unreal. He scores a goal something like every, like, 40 minutes or so he plays against the Fire. And again, he doesn't start almost any of these games. He just right. comes off the bench, wreaks absolute havoc. And so when that fourth goal went, it's like, well, we should have seen it coming. There it is. Yeah. Uh, of course, Pat, the other thing from this game, and we don't know the seriousness of it yet, but Gaston Jimenez goes down in a lot of pain. Didn't look good at all. Did not. Now, looked... Looked real bad. We don't want to speculate, but um, I think we'd be surprised if he was not out for a period of time. And, and the Fire have had plenty of injury issues this season. Um, Mauricio Pineda's got moved around a lot, and if Gaston has to miss time, this will have domino effects with how the defense lines up. Carlos Tehran may be back this weekend, but regardless of how it shakes out, you, you it's really tough to watch the amount of pain it appeared yeah. Gaston was in. Yeah, we're talking to Ezra tomorrow, so we should get more details on that. But he did say after the last game that he thought that that Carlos Tehran would be back, which would push Mauricio Pineda back into midfield to cover for um, Gaston. If that's not the case, we were talking earlier, maybe maybe Mauricio stays back and you bring Fabi into midfield, Javi Casas into midfield, somebody like that. I would think you'd go Fabi and Herbers. But somebody who has not started in that position this year, though, is yeah. where you'd be at. Um, but, I mean, that is kind of where it is. And it, it all, for all the heat that they took... We're not signing center backs. I thought their their answer was reasonable when, you know, at least it, had, it showed some thought um, for the long-term health of the club. But sure would be nice to have somebody back there if that was something they were able to pull off. They just weren't able to. So um, looking ahead, NYCFC at SeatGeek this Sunday. Uh, this was the one that was moved most recently because I think there's a Bad Bunny concert the day before. <laughs> the Bears are playing there now. We saw what the field looked like at Soldier Field, and I, it would, I think the fire absolutely made the right call, despite the headache for some involved. 
to move it to SeatGeek because I think the pitch is going to be a lot better. Um, it was very funny to see all of NFL and Bears world on like social yes, media this yes. week be like, oh my God, the grass at Soldier Field is so we do bad. That it's, too. Like, it's like, yeah, we know. Like, it's like <laughs> if, uh, if you have watched, uh, it's like, tell me you've never, you don't watch the fire without telling me you don't watch the fire. Like people who are like Chicago media people. So it's like, yeah, the, the field was bad before. Bears and Chiefs players complained about it to the NFLPA, and I guess that's a complaint that's been ongoing for a couple years now. And you know what's not going to make a very shortly cut grass field better? Football cleats. So, I, you know, we'll maybe get to this in future points bet picks of the week, but I think the smart thing to do, Pat, reflecting on the Atlanta United game and knowing it's only going to get worse, is just bet nil-nil every time the fire play the rest of the year because how are you supposed to play soccer on that surface it's so unbelievably frustrating as a fan of both teams that, that call that stadium home it's so unbelievably frustrating that you know the, the baseball fields have immaculate fields in this town and, and because the shout park, out to the sod father yeah, exactly because the park district runs that stadium they can't get it right they just can't get it right why because why was, was, hire a professional to do it <laughs> please i know it, i don't know it's been like we were just talking about this yesterday on i think actually the blackhawks guys and i and it's like we've been having this same argument for 30 years yeah well they hire someone the former argument with soldier field that everyone but the bears hated was that the grass was super long and now you've kind of got like a worst of both worlds because now you have short grass that is because the soccer team has to play on it which no one likes that well the bears don't like that at least and then you add football cleats to a shorter grass field and now the soccer team hates it too. It's it's a lose lose for everybody. It's not great right now. So again, we said this on last week's show, but the uh, the fire playing at SeaGeek not the worst thing in the world. Watched a lot of Red Stars games this year. The pitch there is it's good. It's yeah. fine. It plays like a soccer the fire. Field. Have good people in charge of doing it. Right. It, also, so. Johnny's like, yeah, it's for both teams. We saw that in the Atlanta game. Yeah. Atlanta couldn't play soccer on that field either. So right. Maybe right, for the right. best. NYCFC in a weird spot right now. They lost to Miami this past weekend. A resurgent Miami. They're frightening to me. Oh, uh, well, Gonzalo Higuain yeah. cares. Yeah. Um, um, I don't remember. I'm going to forget off the top of my head who's the guy who made comments about him just like, you know, smoking cigarettes and not giving crap. But um, his smoke break is over. because uh, It, it, it would yeah. appear so. That team looks good. They're battling with the fire for those final playoff spots. NYC also have a midweek game on Wednesday against Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, They are still figuring out life without Tati Castellanos, who made his debut in La Liga this weekend for Girona. Uh, He did not score. Um, No one on his team scored, actually. They lost to Valencia. Um, A nil-nil draw with Valencia? I I don't remember. Anyway, NYCFC, kind of an odd spot right now. Maybe an opportunity. Uh, The sports books have the fire favored to win this game although it looks like they think a draw is also very much yeah, on the cards right, right, no right. i mean i think it's like fire plus 145 to win outright and nyc plus 175 so it's they're not exactly confident in either of these teams to win this game but i mean if you're the fire you've, you've got to take points exactly because if, if you look at the standings it's it's still incredibly incredibly tight with with how things are looking you've got you know the 33 point teams now Miami. Everybody but DC. Like, yeah. well, if you look at that, I mean, yeah. Toronto's terrifying. Yeah. Atlanta's n- not good, but they're not bad. Like, it is a 13-team race for yeah. seven spots in the East. Yeah, we made a joke about Toronto. They're, they were four back last week. They were in 13th, and now they're they're on 29 points in 12th. I think they're going to continue to win. I think Toronto's going to I think gonna Miami's going to continue to win. And so I'm worried about 
there not being enough room for the fire to to squeeze in if those two teams continue to surge. So yeah, um, you've got to get points this weekend. You've got to I say win against uh, Montreal, and you've got to beat the Revs away. You've, you saw how tight that was. You've got to beat the Revs away. This is going to be like the third time we've mentioned Gillette Stadium in this podcast. That might be a record. White Amsberg's favorite place to play, Gillette Stadium. <laughs> He said that. Anyway, uh, speaking of this weekend, and we've mentioned betting a couple times, it is that part of the show where we give you the points bet pick of the week. We uh, This time of year, we do like the Premier League in terms of a place to look for some potential value, and I think we found one, Pat. Um, Your team against America's team. Indeed. Chelsea against Leeds this weekend. Um, we saw Leeds score two goals this week and then blow the lead. We saw Chelsea blow two different one-goal leads against Tottenham with some assistance from Anthony Taylor and the VAR, of course. Quality handshake at the end of that oh, one, too. Quality that was handshake. Yeah, we didn't have time to get to that today. It's kind of outside our purview, but I think other people who are better experts than us have covered it. Anyway, Chelsea versus Leeds. Over three and a half total goals, plus 170. Um, Leeds score a lot, concede a lot. If Chelsea can st- score two against Spurs, they could definitely score two, three, maybe four against Leeds defense, this game's going to have goals. Chelsea fan, do you think Pulisic finally gets a start? Um, And if he does, that would be a lot of Americans on the field. I mean, for the narrative, I hope he starts. Um, A quick aside, though, I think he needs to get out of there. I tweeted this the other day. Do you like that Newcastle rumor? um, I like the Newcastle rumor for soccer reasons. I hate it for all the other reasons. Understood. Um, But they're also, the fact that he isn't playing much and they're now linked with Anthony Gordon from Everton, yeah, who is just right. another young winger, half-space kind of dude. It's like, mm, this ain't looking good. So, uh, yes, for the narrative, I hope Pulisic starts just so all us Americans can get everything out of this game that we want to get. Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson look like they're both going to start for Leeds, though. Jesse March, former fire, former, or former teammate of Jonathan Bornstein yeah. at Chivas USA. So, yeah, watch that game. Hope there's lots of goals, and maybe we can make you a few bucks uh, as you, uh, you know, schedule out your soccer weekend. Because it is that time of year, Pat, where if you are a European soccer fan and an, and an American soccer so fan, good. you could just sit on your couch from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. and just watch like seven straight soccer games. It's, it's a beautiful. great time of year. And we're going to take this all the way through to the World Cup. Like it's, what more do you want? What oh. more do you want? And you know who's in on six points right now in the Premier League? Do you know who is? Lawrence, tell us who is. Uh, Manchester City. Manchester City is, but what other team, one other team is on six points in the Premier League right now. Um, is it a team? Right there. Um, is it Arsenal? It's it, Arsenal. Is it Arsenal or is it just the Gabbies? Because it feels like it's just the Gabbies. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Love Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. That are, fourth goal by Gabby Martinelli. My goodness, that was amazing. Shout out to Gabriel Jesus for uh, uh, spearheading my fantasy Premier League team this weekend. And uh, hopefully Gabriel Martinelli continues his form because I just replaced Jaden Sancho with him. So, you know. I mean, he's... I don't, I don't mind the Gunners scoring some goals for totally personal selfish reasons. Not wanting to have Man United players in your uh, Premier League team for any particular reason? Oh, you know yikes. what's annoying, though, is that I believe Arsenal plays them like three or four matches down the road, and yes. you could just see that like they'll have figured it out by they'll, then. Yeah, Ronaldo then, will be shipped yeah. out to wherever, and they'll have sorted it out. Yeah. Or he'll just score twice against Arsenal, and it'll annoy the shit out of me. No. But, hey, I, just need, I don't care about Arsenal's defense. I just care about Arsenal's offense. Anyway. Let's uh, talk about clothing. Uh, clothing? I mean, okay. Uh, those, you know, um, those Manchester United jerseys they wore this weekend, Pat, against Brentford. The Mountain Dew special? Horrible. You know what else are horrible? These leaked U.S. men's national team kits. Holy hell, these are bad. What are we doing? 
to, to quote uh, Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? Uh, what I'm, is this? So I, I, I will say this. There is the potential for the white kit to be fine. If the numbering is good, if the shorts and the socks are decent, that kit can be It has fine elements of both the 2002 World Cup kit and with the crest in the center, the kit immediately after that, like for the Dosa Cero in 05, uh, with the circle around the, the total 90 ones that every country had. Yeah, like Portugal is the, is the country I most associate yeah. with those. Yeah, so it has elements of that. The blue, is that the ocean? Uh, I, I, so I'm not even kidding. I think it's the template that it's the Leeds United away kit that they wore this weekend with like a yellow and blue tie dye. It's just that with blue and black. And I'm, I'm wondering if again, we, we see in modern soccer, a lot of templates. This is not a good sign only for the United States. This is a bad sign for like everyone because Nike makes a lot of these kits and so if this is just what Nike's going to do, we could be looking at a very, very ugly World Cup. I, you have to believe they're going to have nice kits for France and, and, and Nigeria is going to have sweet kits. And, um, but yeah, th- that's not... And, and my thought was, why don't they switch back to the Waldo or a Sash or something that people enjoy? And then I thought, well, maybe they're not wanting to, to put their best foot forward for this World Cup because they want to blow it out of the water for... 26 but I, that's not i people don't want to buy that i saw a good theory that this is we're just being punished now for not making the world cup in 2018 when we had those excellent kits that were they were white and blue yeah they had kind of a diagonal yeah. thing going almost looked like an american airlines logo it it looked i called it the american airlines kit yeah and it, those kits were yeah. good those I like would have them. looked yeah i would have bought one if we had uh qualified for that world cup we of course did not, but I don't know if I can see myself spending money on uh, on either of these, which I really was planning on it. Maybe, again, maybe we'll see how the white kit looks with numbers. Maybe it'll be redeemable, but... So if you ugh. like the current kits, the current white, which I think is a pretty decent kit, looks like the Centennial a little bit, and the, the current away, I don't think... I'm wondering if you like it, because like adults don't like it, but my, my players love it. The kids that I coach, they love that dazzle camo red and blue weird bars away kit that the, the teams are wearing so the dazzle camo is fine or is dazzle camo is that what's called i forget what's literally a thing that was used on warships in like the 60s yeah that's why i call it that yeah yeah uh so it's that kit's grown on me um it's great in comparison to these so uh, yeah yeah i don't know what what we're doing with those um the, um i i saw someone I, I don't know who the originator of this take is but the uh the comment was uh, all future U.S. soccer uniforms must be approved by Kristen Press and Tim Weah before they are allowed to see the light of day, and that seems like seems like a smart. I uh, was hoping seems those, like a smart procedure. I was hoping that the leak was just wrong. There but, was an older leak yeah. that was just wrong and good, but this isn't better. But Weston McKinney on Instagram of the USMNT only they, they they were the ones who leaked it, and Weston McKinney commented, "I tried to tell them." <laughs> Which is <laughs> not not great. <laughs> not not great. Weston is back playing soccer. Started for Juve in their season opener and is wearing number number eight, eight now. Yes. Juventus. I think that means he's going to stay there. I think that that yeah. again it seems good. I just want our guys healthy. That's all. Um, and you know what? I don't care how ugly the shirts are if all the guys are healthy. And you know what? If Jonathan Bornstein's prediction comes true. And they make the semifinals of the World Cup wearing that shirt. You'll own we're both. All, we're all gonna buy them. 
Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you can get them at Ross shortly after the World <laughs> Cup for about 75% off, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, uh, again, the fire at SeatGeek this weekend. We've talked about that, hey, if they can get the kind of crowd at SeatGeek that they've been getting at Soldier Field, which looks a little sparse downtown, but you put 15,000 plus in SeatGeek, it's a really fun soccer yeah. atmosphere as Johnny mentioned. So go out, support them this weekend, and hopefully see them get another win in Bridgeview over NYCFC. Yeah, like just like they did last year in, in Rafa Wiki's last game. Although I don't think it's going to be Ezra's last game this time around. So God, I hope not. Yeah. Well, on that note, for Jonathan Bornstein, thanks so much to him for joining us. We're really hoping with this new Tuesday time slot that we can get more interviews on the yeah. show. So stay tuned for that. For Lawrence Behind the Scenes, for Pat, I am Alex. This has been the CHGO Fire Podcast, and we will see you next week. Adios.